I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit AbyssBattery.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey, what's up, y'all? Elkshape Podcast. This is Dan the Fitness Man bringing on Zach Owens, a.k.a. Beyond the Backcountry this guy is so much fun to have on, and I knew it would be. We talk about some pretty cool stuff. We get into him actually being a guide and an outfitter, uh, but he still hunts public land exclusively. Talk about his recurve hunting on an elk this year. He got his first bull with a recurve. He's killed lots of elk. He's a wealth of knowledge. He's very unapologetic and unfiltered. We like that. We talk a little bit about being proud of what you kill and don't be ashamed. We talk about social media. We talk about ranch bulls. We talk about workouts. We talk about wolves. We talk about Idaho. A lot of stuff in here. It's a good one. Zach's one of my favorite people. I've met him in person and just thought he was pretty contagious. So I'm glad to bring him on here today for you guys to enjoy his personality. Hopefully we don't ruffle your feathers and you leave this podcast inspired, educated, motivated, and hungry for more thanks to our sponsors, hard work, discipline, delayed gratification, and being accountable for your actions. Enjoy this one. Have a good one, y'all. Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, today bringing on Mr. Zach Owens. A lot of people don't even know that's his name. They know him as Beyond the Backcountry. <laughs> but he has a real name, and he's a real dude who lives in Idaho. I'm a real person. <laughs> he's not a fake guy. He's a real person. So, man, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No, I'm good. I'm good. Just finished up with clients for the year, so yeah, excited so- to not have people in my house definitely so how long did you guide for this year um well i did spring bear and then elk i did a couple archery elk hunters and a couple rifle elk hunters okay nothing too overwhelming what was uh no i mean besides the fact that you know you got strangers living in your house with you um but all my clients were really really cool this year so it was all good What's the good, the bad, and the ugly of being a guide? Um, so I would say the <laughs> the good is I just enjoy other people's success. Like watching somebody else take a critter is is I get as much excitement from that as I do shooting one myself. So that's probably the best part about it. Um, especially I, I did a lot of firsts with people, which is really cool to be a part of people's first elk, first bear, stuff like that. Yes. But that's, that's the good, the, the bad really is you don't, 
you don't get to enjoy the hunt as much because a lot of my hunters were new to certain styles of hunting or certain animals. So you have to, I don't want to, I don't want to say you have to hold their hand, but you have to be there for every single aspect. Things you wouldn't think about because they're just second nature and they seem like common sense because, you know, we've hunted elk our whole life. It's totally foreign to them. So that's the, that's a learning curve. Okay. Having to do absolutely everything. I never would have thought of that. So we talk on this podcast a lot about just do it yourself stuff. But I guess I've never really said this before too much, but I don't think there's it's an issue hiring a guide, um, especially if you kind of want to – you just don't know shit and you need to kind of yeah. get get your feet wet and learn maybe what can people do to find a good, reputable outfitter. If say they're even like they, – they live out east or midwest, they, they dream of an elk hunt and they're a little intimidated. They want to they wanna, they wanna put some money aside and hire a guide. How do you, how do you make sure you get lined up with the right outfit? I think the only way to really do it is hire a consulting company, a reputable consulting company. That's easier than finding like a good guide and they're going to be the middleman and make sure you don't get burned. Uh, my buddy Russ owns a company that does, it's called outdoors international. Um, there's quite a few other really good companies too, but, uh, it's just they're going to make sure you don't get burned. I mean, when you're dropping thousands, I mean, you know, I could never, you know, I could never afford to spend $7,000 on an elk hunt in all reality. Um, even if I wanted to, you know, I could never afford that. And I know if I'm going to spend any money, like I went on a moose hunt last year. That was the first time I've ever paid for a hunt. It was an unguided moose hunt in Alaska. But I mean, spending a few thousand dollars, like it gets you, you get a little nervous. Oh, for sure. So I, I would definitely hire somebody that's going to help you, you know, understand because a guide's going to, an outfitter's going to tell you whatever you want to hear when you talk to him on the phone. Yeah, exactly. He so, wants you to book a hunt. That's awesome. So the, the guide service, I'm, I'm sorry, basically the middleman has gone there, put boots on the ground and checked yep. him out. And so they can vouch for him. You're kind of going off their word. Versus, and give you realistic expectations. Yeah, versus, oh, we got 350 bulls around every corner. Yeah, okay. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're infested with 350 bulls. So, yeah, I guess if you want to come up here and smoke one, that's fine. So back in the day, I I did some filming for Sportsman's Warehouse. They had a, a side a side company called Sportsman's News. It's still going, and they now do that middleman, you know, booking hunts and stuff. But in the beginning, I'd get sent to some of these places to film hunters, and so I kind of got exposed to outfitters. And I can tell you, at least on one hand, we we would leave outfitters because they were so terrible, and what they said on the phone isn't what we actually did. And um, and then even one time, I got sent on a blacktail bear hunt in California in the Trinity Alps, and the outfitter was kind of a weird dude. And when we loaded everything up on the horses, Zach, we literally rode in about a mile and a half into, on the horses. <laughs> into a meadow and we roll up and there's, I'm not even exaggerating. There's six other like bow hunting tents, like set up camps for the opener the next day. And I started like freaking out. I'm like, 
we're not really hunting here, man. We have horses. Like this is a wilderness. We can like go another 10 miles. Right. And the guy's like, no, 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 this is, this is fine. This is right where we're at. And then I I just was like, all right. And then one day I went out opening day and I ran into hunter after hunter after every deer. I saw so many bears and I came back and I'm like, bro, we need to move camp if we're going to get a good show out of this. And the only reason he was doing it was to get, you know, a great hunt videoed for his outfit so he could like have a good reputable name, blah, blah, blah. Um, we didn't come to an agreement. I packed all my shit on my back and I said, well, you have a nice hunt. I'm out. And I literally packed all the stuff on my back (laughs) and then I made it about a mile and I had a half mile to go and there was a blacktail buck right off the trail. I literally just snuck over, shot him at about 40 yards. Yes. (laughs) I literally packed everything up, got the, uh, the 120 pound deer off the mountain and and then I sent the guy a text picture on my way out, just kind of rub it in his face and be like, dude, you, you suck. We're not going to endorse your outfit. So yeah. I, and that, 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 that's the tough part about it, uh, period. I mean, it, it's not easy. I'm dealing with people, you know, that are spending money. Um, and, and sometimes even though you let them know exactly what to expect, uh, they, they still form their own expectations in their mind and when they get there you know sometimes they'll be mad because it's not exactly what they thought so i mean it, it's tough it's a, it, it I, I you know kudos to the people who have done it forever yeah because it is not easy um and i'm just getting into it you know i've never i went on my first guided hunt ever last year <laughs> for wyoming rifle antelope which is like <laughs> rifle antelope on your own is the easiest hunt of all time so a guided rifle antelope hunt on private land was like it was literally not even a real hunt that's funny dude so yeah i passed like 65 bucks and that i would have shot in the first like three hours (laughs) after my plane landed and then shot the biggest buck i've ever killed wow yeah wyoming special and so we did you just get access to good property is that why you had the outfitter no, it was full on how to guide even. That's weird for me. Just yeah. I, to, I picture you as a guy who like, what's a guide going to tell you unless he just knows the land? Huh? Yeah. yeah. No, it, well, yeah, nothing, especially because it was antelope. It was basically like, do you like that one? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was a, you know, it was a, it was a free hunt that I did with a company. Um, it was kind of like a company hunt. Um, so it was cool for that, but it wasn't, it was, well, it was a company kill. Like it wasn't a hunt. Yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. That's cool. That's really cool, man. So you, you did, you're doing that. Do you feel like you want to keep doing it? Uh, no, that's definitely not my cup of tea. Um, like, yeah, it was my biggest antelope, but then it's, it, it's like a big asterisk on it. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I'm a bow hunter first of all. So shooting, a rifle at an antelope, which is like, I don't know. It, it wouldn't know that, that, that hunt especially with is not for me. It was fun, but it's not really a hunt. If you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I got you. I feel you. And so how about for you personally being a, a guide? Are you digging that? Are you going to keep doing that? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I actually liked it quite a bit. Um, we got, I got a kind of a cool setup, you know, cause they stay at my house, which is like the lodge, 
And then, um, you know, my wife cooks all the meals and stuff. And so we got a good little operation. That's no, it's been fun. Um, the only thing that stinks is I lose my own, you know, some of my own time to hunt. Yeah. Yeah. That is definitely rough. So yeah, well, at least you're out in the mountains and are you getting some time in the field? I mean, obviously you are, but like, I mean, are you literally scraping together? Okay. I got a uh, hunter's leaving oh, yeah. hunter's coming. I got one day I'm going. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Like I got to go, not really the, you know, maybe not necessarily the dates I would choose to hunt, but that's all I got. So I got to make it work. Yeah. I feel you. And this year, I mean, this year was, I, I got, I was pretty lucky this year. Um, it's been, it's been, everything's been pretty quick and easy as far as my own hunting. So that's pretty dope, man. Well, Let's get into the elk hunting learning curve right now. I mean, you I don't know when you started elk hunting. I know you've killed a ton of elk, but tell us about that process. Maybe you've never have you been much in, uh into a learning curve or did it come easy to you? Like what tell me about the school of hard knocks. Um, so I think it took me six years of bow hunting elk before I killed one. That's about that's about right, yeah. Um, so no, definitely learn the hard way um yeah just trial and error um and then i think it probably would have taken me even longer to really get it dialed and then i started uh hunting with super experienced guys and so that is like dude if you can hunt with people who know what they're doing and just learn from them you know just go into it with an open mind and learn from them and if they're successful especially not guys who do it, but not do it successfully. Yeah. Those guys always seem to have opinions on it, but the guys who actually are successful at it and learn from them. I mean, it is crazy how quick everything just, I mean, you're still going to have the trial and error and all that, but you start to learn things that would take you years and years. If ever, if you, you know, to learn yourself, who was the, uh, who was like your biggest mentor that, basically opened the gates for you and kind of put things in perspective what you were doing right russ russ meyer russ russ meyer yeah um we just it's funny a lot of my friends are are older russ is about to turn 50 and he's you know one of my best friends um but uh and i i think i think i i think all my friends are older because they like hanging out with me because it like makes them feel younger or something you know like, like keep them young or something but uh no, it's that dude is a legend, a bow hunting legend, and my success rate and just everything bow hunting related probably tripled after like you know we didn't even hunt that much really we we hunt a little bit but I would just like ask him questions whenever we were together and just learn stuff that way. Yeah, you just picked his brain. Now, did you guys? uh specifically go out together and get a hands-on lesson or two um not much we, we we've we, we've been able to a little bit uh some spot stock mule deer um a little bit of elk hunting i mean we've hunted everything together antelope bear and uh but a lot of it is just me listening you know i just ask him a question and shut up and listen yeah, absolutely. I am in the same position. I hunted a long time until I got um, my first archery bull, but Idaho still stumped me for seven years. Like I literally bought, 
a tag every year and went to Idaho and couldn't get it done until finally, like, early on, I think maybe year three or four, this chubby old guy from Sportsman's Warehouse was, like, tired of hearing about me and all my stories. <laughs> and he was like, dude, I'll take you out for a couple of days. And I was like, please, yes. And, I mean, that was, like, hands-on mentorship. Um, I mean, from the word go, he did everything the way I didn't do examples would be yeah, like, like, exactly. like we got to camp and he was, it was like dark and we were going to go the next day. And I was just like getting my stuff ready and getting ready for bed. And he's like, uh, no, grab that case of beer, hop in the truck. Sorry guys, <laughs> we're in the mountains and we're going bugling and drinking beer. And I was like, what? And I, you know, I've never been much of a drinker. So here we are driving dirt roads in the middle of nowhere and he's drinking beer and he's making me pull over and he's throwing out bugles till midnight. And we located like four different herds that night. I'd never done that before. Yeah. And then he, uh, you know, he took us into a place we be, neither one of us had ever been, but we got bulls bugling in there and he got us up there on the ridge just about as it was getting light. And I was like getting ready to storm down this main ridge. And he's like, time out. Why don't you just hold up right here? We hadn't even heard a bugle yet but we were just kind of right where we heard him the night before. And he was like, you sit here. And my dad was with us. He's like, you sit here. I'm going to go take a shit. And then when I get back, it'll be about light. And we'll head down this little finger. And we did that. And within 10 minutes, he called in a six point bull, you know, that's sweet. And I, I was just kind of blown away. Like just those two things alone, like going in too early, not locating elk the night before, and then he shot me, he showed us a bunch of other stuff the rest of the day that I had never seen before, you know, basically how to navigate on elk trails versus just fighting brush and going up and down. You know, he, he taught me how to travel like an elk. And then obviously the calling was the biggest thing, but um, yeah. what are some, and of that things, was, what are some that of the things probably, Russ taught you? Yeah. Yeah. Calling was probably the biggest thing, um, for elk hunting. It was calling. I have always, you know, kind of self-taught watching YouTube videos, whatever, you know, doing what everybody else does. And so basically what I learned from Russ is call, I, I cut my calling down in half or maybe less mm -hmm. as far as frequency. Yep. And I probably less, probably damn near a quarter. And I've probably called in three times as many elk since I did that. Interesting. Why it's crazy. That guy never calls. It's completely different than than how most people do it. It's and, and you know, there's guys that I know guys that are super successful and they just call, 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 call all the time, all day, cow calls, bugles, whatever. And uh so, you know, there's definitely more more than one way to skin a cat, but um that way I just picked up from him and I started doing it and it's worked awesome for me too. What do you think you've called most of your elk in to archery range with a bugle or a cow call? Now, so it's changed in the last few years, but 100% bugles. Yep. Dude, I barely even cow call anymore. I, 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 and I used to call, I was always hunting later in the season. And then, um, we, uh, like a lot of my first elk I shot with a rifle. Uh, I called in bulls, um, in October and that was with a cow call. They respond like crazy to a cow call. Um, in this, in this specific spot that we used to rifle on, my wife just shot a bull there a couple weeks ago, uh, called it in, you know, they, my father-in-law cow called it into 20 yards and that's the middle of October. Good um, Lord. so I'm, 
Yeah, so I'm still, and they're still ripping too. So I'm still used to. I was so used to that, just cow calls only, that you know I I just. Yeah, I mean, I I literally have had times where I have had a bull coming in, either I can see it or hear it or whatever. I know it's coming in, and I've cow called, and it's turned around to leave, or it's stopped, or doesn't come in, or something. It, it, it's I, I prefer bugling, and I'm always now I prefer early. I want to hunt like opener. I'm a hundred percent behind that. The earlier, the better. That did not nope. used to be. I used to like carve out the last two um, and that's what it, and that's what everybody still does which i love i'm like right, that's fine by me i'll I'll hunt these unpressured elk early bugling wanting to fight 100 percent. i think going earlier is better but if you're listening go ahead and go later so zach and i yeah. can go early <laughs> no seriously i definitely agree you know when i was in nevada this year there was uh it opened august 25th and i kind of got to see I mean, I, I basically hunted August 25th to the end of September this year. So really got to see how it evolves. And it's like yeah. literally there's a light switch day. And it, for us in Nevada, which is different than other states, it was like September 1st. It was like Merry September, light switch on. All the cows that I yeah. saw had a bull versus the day before. It was just like the bulls got up that night and were like, Ugh, all right. And then they time just to go. time yeah. to roll. And then just boom, it just got, it was just nuts. The bugling took off like crazy. Now I did see a bull with the cow. Like he had, he had 11 or 12 cows and that was like August 28th. And I watched, I watched him try rake tree and try to mount a couple different cows. And I saw one cow mewing estrously like over and over and over. And that was August 28th. But then you'd go over another canyon and you'd see bulls by themselves still. So yeah. it just depends on, you know, but generally speaking, I think the earlier the better for sure. How many, uh, I, I got a few points in Nevada for elk. I was going to kind of wait, but I, uh, how, did you have a lot of points? I had double digit points. I'm trying to, I think I had oh, dang. 12, okay. maybe 12. Um, yeah, that's I used, what I was waiting for. I used go hunt and I knew like last year, the year before, 2017 i knew like i had like a 35 40 percent chance and then i checked the odds this year and i knew that it had gone up 10 percent. so i was right on that past that point creep and uh i'd already drawn wyoming because those results come out soon and i was like well i didn't get any younger i, I want to hunt nevada because nevada if you draw you have to wait seven years before you can put back in yeah which sucks because my days of hunting nevada are probably done you know yeah and it's expensive to put in for Nevada because you are buying your hunting license yeah, no. no matter what. And then then your tag, your license fee or the application fee is 15 bucks, And then it adds up after 12. What's 12 times 220 or whatever yeah. it is? It adds up. Oh, tr- so, yeah, trust me. My wife reminds me every year. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Uh, and then uh, you put – you actually draw the tag. They're pretty proud of their tag. I think that tag was like, dude, like $1,200. Oh, yeah, and that sucks. But I don't know. I still I enjoyed that hunt, but I still love coming back to the -the over-the-counter public land Idaho. I don't know why. I just love suffering. Partly, that's got to have something to do with it. I love suffering. I love getting frustrated. These elk are so hip to the program. I mean, literally, they're hunted for months. 
And that's the same in Montana. Those elk just don't get a break. Like they're hunted. And they're not just by man and by wolves. So yeah. you just shot a wolf. Tell me about it. It was epic. Well, first of all, I called in a bull for my buddy this year that he ended up killing. And uh, we actually had a pack light up right in the middle of me talking with this bull. And I was like, well, this is done. Uh, you know, the, it was probably a thousand yards away. A whole pack just lit up because they were listening to me bugle with this bull. And I know that's why they started howling. But believe it or not, that bull kept talking, which I mean, no, was I, pretty unbelievable. I believe it. But, uh, I think it's 50, 50. Um, in my experience, it's like, Oh, the wolf start howling, the elk shut up or the wolf start, start howling and the bulls keep lighting up. It's 50, yeah, 50. They, and when I shot my when I shot my wolf, there were still bulls bugling. I believe it, hundred percent. So I was like, "Well, they're dead." <laughs> uh, yeah, no, my wife, <clears throat> that bull, my wife killed. Uh, that's a I, I I shot my first bull in that canyon. Like that's a super special canyon to our family. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it uh, there's always been there's always been wolves wolves in there. I've heard them. I have seen their tracks. I've never actually seen one in there, but I, there's always wolves in there. And so I got the call, you know, I, I, I didn't have the time to go up and hunt with them. So she was with her dad, my father-in-law. And I got the call that they, uh, she got a bull down and I was like, I'll head up there and pack in. So we went in that evening. I packed my rifle, brutal snow on the ground, brutal pack out. And then we had to go back in the next day and finish it. And, uh, the next morning, and I'm sitting there looking at my rifle and I'm like, if I don't bring that, I'm going to see a wolf, you know, you know how that goes. Yep. So I was like, ah, and I knew I had a heavier load this day and I was, uh, it was a brutal pack out. So it was tough, but I was like, screw it. I'm bringing that gun. And, uh, yeah, we were on her carcass, actually her father-in-law and I, and we we're talking with this, with a couple of bulls. And, uh, this wolf just gives a lone howl across the drainage and we're, this is a huge burn Canyon and there's snow on the ground. So, you know, you're pretty, everything's pretty visible. So I started howling with them and the whole pack lit up. They were spread out all over that hillside and they lit up and, um, I looked at my father-in-law and I was like, let's, let's wolf hunt. And he's like, fine by me. And, uh, so we dropped down over the hill. I started howling with them they weren't leaving and it was frustrating because i thought we were going to glass one up because i mean they're on a snowy burnt hillside oh yeah and you where they're howling but you just cannot see them i've never seen an animal that blends in better in my whole life certainly it's insane and, and so and, and it's like a black the black blends in because it's a burnt hillside there's burnt logs everywhere you know and the gray ones are just they look like a tree so finally after a while i'm like i, I started i started to uh the rabbit call i had one in my pack and they were howling like crazy they just nothing was coming in uh, i later found out one did come on this that side when i was calling my father-in-law saw a flash of it because we we're kind of spread apart yeah but uh finally i was like you know screw this my, i got a long range gun and i was like i've been shooting quite a bit so i felt pretty confident and uh i was like you know if i just start walking down the ridge uh, or down the, you know, you know, I'm on one mountain and I'm, I'm like, if I just start walking downhill, they're going to see me and start going up the other side and I'm going to see them moving. There you go. And that's, and that's exactly what happened. I, I see movement and I see two of them and there's a bigger black one. I'm trying to get on it, but I'm on a steep hillside, so I can't lay prone. 
So I got to pop my tripod up and like put it over a log and it's not very steady, but I lose that one stops or something. I just lose him. And then I see another one and, uh, he stops and, uh, I range where he is and it's three fifty, and he starts going up the hill again. I howl and he stops kind of totally going up the hill opposite of me. So I'm trying to shoot him between the shoulder blades and I squeezed one off, felt confident. And, uh, I see him flip and uh, I see him start running downhill. I see some blood on his shoulder. So I'm like, Oh, he's going to fall. You know, I know that I've heard they're super tough. Yes. And so he's just running and running and running. And I'm like, uh, right. He's not going down. And then I just kind of dialed the 300, I guessed. And I was going to lose sight of him in the Valley and I didn't want to. So I just, dude, I got lucky and I, I rolled him on the second shot. Oh yeah, baby. As he's running. Yeah. And he, he started yelping. I lost him in sky in the scope, but he started yelping and I just started screaming cause I've hunted wolves more than I've hunted any other animal. So that was like, a dream come true. And, uh, even with me hooting and hollering and yelling to my father-in-law and we're meeting up and they, they start howling again over there. Oh yeah. They never even moved. So I'm like, well, let's kill another one. Finally. Yeah. We keep my father-in-law. That guy has an Eagle. eye. he keeps seeing this wolf and then I'll, I'll see it and it'll looks just like mine. It's moving through the trees and it'll stop. And then you just lose it. it. It was so frustrating finally after like an hour and a half of seeing him and losing him i just got lucky and and and, and glassed embedded on the on the opposite hillside and he'd howl every once in a while so i kind of knew where he was and got my father-in-law set up and you know he was like oh it's your gun you're a better shot you should just shoot shoot him too and i was like heck no like you don't get very many opportunities at a wolf like i want you to get one too you know yes and I got him set up with my gun, 300, and it, there was a little log in front of him, so you could only see the top half of his body. And he center punched that log. Oh. I know. We went up there, and there was the wood from the back of the log actually, like, ripped hair off of him. But, unfortunately, he was, uh, he got away. So, that was a heartbreaker, because we almost doubled Man, I think I think that's awesome. I think more and more guys are going to start getting into it, and the opportunity is there. Well, they do. And man, my dad's finally retired. Can't believe it. And he's never been able to wolf trap just because of the requirements to check your traps every seventy-two hours. So yep. he is getting set up for that. And you know, we both took that elk. Or I mean, sorry, that wolf trapping class that Idaho requires. We yeah. did, did that years ago, but. The the class doesn't teach you actually how to trap. It's just them. No. they're covering their basis. And, yes, uh, yes, and that's you know I've been a trapper my whole life, and so I took that wolf trapping class, and I, you know I already know how to trap. And 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 during the class, I'm you know I'm listening to people, and it was the same thing with them. They didn't really have trapping experience, and the 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 reality of it is, if you can't trap a coyote there's no way you're going to trap a wolf. And I've, I've worked with the the trappers in Idaho. Um, I volunteered with them and stuff. And I mean, they're the hardest animal to trap. They're so smart, so smart. So that, I mean, it, 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 the very difficult animal to trap. Yeah. It's pretty intimidating, but I think just like elk hunting, you just kind of have to get out there, find some mentorship, and go through the school of hard knocks and i think eventually if you're determined you'll figure it out yeah yeah trapping such a weird thing because it's such a dying art 
really hard to find somebody who knows what they're doing to teach you. You know, if my dad wouldn't have taught me, I wouldn't, you know, I'm teaching my wife right now. She's about to take just a regular trapping class because you're required in Idaho now, just a regular trap coyotes and whatever else. Um, you have to take a trapping class and that was never the case, but nowadays you, you have to. And, uh, yeah, without, I mean, I was thinking about, it, I was like, without somebody actually there teaching you how to trap, it's a very hard thing to learn. Definitely. There's not that much resources on it. You know, it's, it's a lot different than trying to learn how to hunt elk hunt. Well, that's pretty cool that you know how to trap. So are you going to trap for wolves this year? Uh, no, only reason I would like to, the only reason is this, uh, the ranch that I work on, they move through every once in a while. Um, like rarely, I actually cut tracks two days ago, but, uh, very rarely move through the ranch. So it it doesn't make sense to trap it. But as far as trapping, like in the state land around it, um, and I don't know why the law is that up here. I think it's because there's so many people. But uh, you 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 can't use snares, and so foothold when this when you know when when there's a ton of snow, it's uh it's tough to foothold trap. You got to be on it all the time. Yeah, it, it's yeah, and there's so yeah, it's yeah, it's got to be like a full time job, and I just don't have that much time to be able to do it because I would love to do it. But foothold, I mean, snares are the way to go, honestly, for wolves. Just uh, find a kill and back off like they were talking about in that class. Yeah. And get those little trails and kind of – they were saying the alpha eats first and it kind of goes in a pecking order. So you back off like 50 to 100 yards and find every little mini Every game, trail. Every trail and get it snared up. Yep. Yep. I know guys that have set like two, three dozen traps in Alaska, two, three dozen snares in Alaska around a moose. Um, you know, you can catch a whole pack. That's awesome. That is outstanding. And it's a quick, humane kill. I mean, the snare is oh, very, like, bam. very quick. Yeah. That's cool. I, I can't wait till I have the time and the resources to do that. I do think that's in my future. The wolves aren't going anywhere, bro. Like, I mean, no. more and more people are getting encounters. I feel like I was 10 years ago in the wolf heyday where I hunt. It's just, I mean, every, almost every day I went out, I'd be competing against wolves and to get in on elk. And so I've seen with my own two eyeballs, I don't know, 30 plus wolves under 20 yards. And people are like, well, why didn't you shoot? Why haven't you shot one yet? And it's just like, you have no idea how freaking spooky these things are. And, and that's all I can really say about that, man. So See, and I never, I've never, I, I called in two in the spring to 10 yards. I got on video. I mean, I could have shot them both with my bow. I had my bow. I was spring bear hunting. Season was closed. Uh, and, I mean, I was talking to them and they're standing there looking at me. They're just, just like coyotes in the spring. They just get stupid. But um, besides that, I mean, I, it took me, I had, I, I, I wolf hunted, I think for the course of five years or six years, um, I had a journal and it, it, uh, 69 days before I got an opportunity at one mm-hmm. and I missed. So now it's 69 days of actually wolf hunting. And that was my first opportunity. That was the first time, first one I saw in 69 days. It's crazy, man. Well, I'm going to get that Sterling cat on this podcast and figure out how the Heck hell yeah. he's doing it, man. That guy's, uh... he, he, he's just, he's just got it down. It's just like guys that kill 
elk every year easy it's the same thing that guy's just got it down so he's coming up to wolf hunt with me this year so outstanding you guys are more than welcome to hunt out of my cabin and kill all the wolves that live everywhere in north idaho i know you got a lot of you got like the most wolves it's like the mecca up there it's just it's just the country is perfect for them you know it's so dense that even if fishing game wants to get a helicopter out there like oh so what like you got you're not gonna you know yep and uh they dumped a bunch of them out pretty early on in the clear water and that's not too far from where we're at and yeah, the the elk numbers are there, so the the wolves are there, and uh, I mean, go- have you have you seen any change as far as because I in certain areas I have in the last like probably three years I've seen a lot more elk, really in certain in, in certain areas, yeah. So like, yeah, it's and I don't and I don't think there's less wolves either. I I, I don't understand what it is, but uh, I've seen more elk. Well, the, the elk's behavior has changed so much. I've tried to evolve with it. But a good example would be like um, a lot of the herd bulls I'm hunting now, they're, they're not bugling all day. They're not bugling as much as they used to. And their cows are doing some weird stuff now. Like if a bull has, let's say, six to ten cows, they're not all bedded together like they used to historically. Like – they could be spread out a half mile or more. And so the cows are all like, they're not tight anymore when they bed for the day. And that's been brutal because yeah, you're just, crazy. just bumping cows a lot more often. Now the bulls are very random. Now they're just, they're kind of like when their cows are all spread out and you're trying to get on a herd bull. And a lot of times like I'm like Russ, I don't call that much. I'll let them do the talking. They, a bull will be here and you're, you're moving in tight, and then all of a sudden he's up on another finger. He's up on another finger. He's down a ridge. He's over there. And you're like, what the hell is he doing? Well, he's going around and checking all his cows that are spread all over Kingdom Come now. They're not concentrated, and they're in nastier places. They're in thicker brush. Even if the brush is on south-facing and it gets hot, they're in there during the day just because it's a safe zone. The wolves can't get at them in that thick, thick brush, if that makes yep. sense. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, man, it's 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 changing, and I don't think we have some pretty good trappers where we're at, and and they're very successful every year. But it's not even it's not putting a dent in the population at all. Yeah, it's it just it has to be open year round. That's just the reality of it. We shouldn't talk much more about wolves. I'll say things that people won't like, but <laughs> I, I'm not a fan, and I don't think I don't know. I just don't think what we're doing right now is working. Yeah, I I am a fan. Um, after spending so much time with them, I, I, I love them. Um, I just think they got to be managed a, a lot better. I want there to be wolves. I love them, man. I think they're the coolest. I have so I have more respect for a wolf than than any other animal. And I mean, you know, they're just doing what they do. Well, I have good news for you. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> they really aren't. And it's it is what it is. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I'd be happy if the, if the, I would be totally fine if, if, if the numbers got low enough where it wasn't huntable population, but they were still there. I would love that. That would be great. Yeah, that'd be great. I would love that because I'd still see them and that's cool. Yep. But, and, you know, it's like anything, you just need a little more balance and um, get, For the, sure. get the emotional people set, just set aside your emotions and let's get, I don't know. There, there's a, it's a slippery slope. I didn't want to go down it. So the uh, let's move on to as far as Zach Owens and 
your Instagram following. It's huge. What are you doing in the world of social media? Do you make um, is it something that just happened organically? Is it something that you put some energy into? Is it stupid? Is it awesome? What's the pros and cons of having a big following? Uh, yeah, it's all of those things. Um, it grew organically, um, totally organically. I didn't even know why. And then I, I put some effort into it for a little while. And then now I'm, 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 I'm just over it and it's still growing, which is weird. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's the, it's cool. I've met a lot. I've met a few really good, really good people from it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's afforded me some opportunities. This job is directly related to my Instagram, which is pretty cool. That was actually kind of my goal. And then, you know, when you first start to have like, get some like sponsorships, I mean, it, it's all like cool until you find out more about how all that works. I um, see. at least for me, then, then I'm like, you know, I'm not trying to get a check. Um, cause then you're like owned. So I, I have been very, I'm very careful now. Um, pretty much don't want to be affiliated with almost anybody anymore. You know, there's a few companies I'll stay with cause I'm loyal. I love their stuff and they've been loyal. That's the only, you know, but besides that, I'm, I'm kind of over that. I can, I'll, I'll buy my own stuff that I love, you know, but, uh, yeah, as far as just a, yeah, it's, you know, you spend too much time on it. Um, takes away from like, you know, sometimes I'll just be like on Instagram after a long day or whatever, sit on the couch and then my kids like crawl on me. And then I'm just like, what am I doing? Like, get off my phone and enjoy my real life child. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's that. And then, you know, you get to a point where you're obligated that you you gotta be on there because you gotta, you have obligations to companies or people. And it's, it's kind of one of them catch 22s. Um, if mine got deleted tomorrow, I would be like, all right, cool. See, I'm never going to have one again. You know what I mean? Sure. That type of deal. Like it would all, it would almost be like, oh, yeah. I mean, I've even thought of deleting my account and just, you know, being done. But then I feel bad for the companies that have sent me, you know, tens of thousand dollars in equipment to just, you know, do the dip on them. So right. it's, 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 it's kind of just a tough deal. Um, all the way around. It's kind of, that's just the way the world's going. Like I said, I, I mean, I got this job because of my Instagram following, and then I'm able to book all those hunts. Just I book all the hunts. Just I don't have a website, nothing. Just Instagram. That's crazy. It is a powerful tool. Um, do you think it? So you think it's here to stay? Early on, when you got you know a decent following, were you like getting hit up by companies uh, and and kind of like young Zach was like, sure, yeah, I'll, let's hook up, let's partner up, or yeah, I'll, I'll post this for you, or yeah, send gear this way. Um, oh, dude, absolutely. I, 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 thinking back, it's hilarious. Like I was signing contracts for, a, for like hats and shirts in the beginning and doing, you know, so many posts a month, like, like, cause in the beginning, you know, I had no idea. Like Instagram was, was, was not really as big as it is now. And it was, it was, yeah, it was just weird. It was exciting. You know, I'm like, Oh, people are going to send me free stuff. 
Yeah. You know, I'm getting free camo and, and yeah, it's my mindset with it has evolved quite a bit. It's not as exciting as it is. It is anymore. You know, no matter what company hits me up, I'm like, eh, most of the time now I'm like, no, thanks. I'm not going to do that. So. And have you ever been hit up by companies that you were like in love with and it just made sense? Oh yeah. And, and I'm still with a few of them. Um, I, you know, it, that's the best part, you know, that's, unfortunately, that's not the case. Most of the time, it's not the company, you know, not the product you really want. It's, it might be good, but it's not the one you really want. And now if it's not, if, if it's a company and it's not the right relationship or it's not the right product, I, I just say no flat out right off the bat. I'm like, nah, I'm good. Thanks. That's cool. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it's like beyond the backcountry is kind of like your personal brand. And it seems to me what's made you successful from my angle is that you're unapologetic, authentic, genuine, and there's no real facade like you'll see on many. It's kind of a breath of fresh air place. And even though I don't always agree with things that you put on your Insta story, um, I still, I just love the shit out of you because I think I can just count on you for being real. And to me, that goes a long ways. Do you feel like um, we're going to start seeing more people put down the facade, or do you think it's just going to get worse? No, it's just going to get worse. I think people are scared. Um, the you know the most freeing feeling is not not caring what people think about you. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, like, and my mine has evolved quite a bit because I, I was kind of a little bit more careful and stuff. But now it's just I'm like, this is me. Uh, you know, this is what you get. Like, this is a social media. You can unfollow me at any time. Like, it doesn't bother me. Um, you know, this is my personal page. I'm going to put my personal opinion on here. And, you know, it doesn't matter if people agree. Like, I don't agree with a lot of people's stuff. I still follow them, you know. Definitely. And, and that's that's the beauty of what we live. I mean, and that's the whole point is everyone's got different opinions. Yeah. And uh, that's good. Well, you got in um, a little controversy – over the dude in the fishing game commissioner of Idaho. <laughs> yeah. um, you kind of called him out and said you're like, he was being a turd. Um, explain the scenario. Give your two cents. I really don't know too much about it. All I know from my angle was that a dude went on a hunt to Africa, which I have no yeah. desire to go to Africa, but um, he went over there and killed some animals and then shared some images on an email or something to some buddies and it got out and it was pretty like he didn't do a very good job of taking photos and some of them were kind of not very um easy to swallow so tell us that's what i know well, yeah so 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 i'll take aside my personal relationship with the person okay because uh, i because i know uh, yeah take, putting that aside and what i think of him um as if you are so an idaho fishing game commissioner first of all for everybody who's worried about him losing his job it's not a job he's got a great job um it is a volunteer position copy so um you you are volunteering to be the voice for sportsmen in idaho so so He's, he's volunteering to be my voice as a sportsman in Idaho. Well, 
right then when you're when you're when you're in charge of you know being the voice or the face for a large group of people that's not just yourself uh, then you 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 there's different criterias and there's different you know I have no issue with going to Africa and hunting animals. It's not really my cup of tea. I, 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 I'd like to do it one day just to experience Africa and just go there. Um, not really my cup of tea either. I'd probably just let like my wife hunt everything and I would just enjoy being there. Um, but, uh, like he did nothing wrong as far as, uh, legality is concerned. You know, he went over there, his money even goes, you know, hunting in Africa is awesome for the economy over there. It's awesome for the people. It's a good thing. When you, the, the, see, I would have literally, personally, I probably would have taken the exact same pictures the guy took. The baboon family that he posed, I probably would have taken the same picture and even wrote the same caption. So he took a picture with a family of baboons. He shot a family of baboons and he's like, I killed the whole family or something like that. <laughs> like Which, mom, dad, brother, yes, sister. Baby, yes, oh, Jesus. Everything. That's okay. Yeah, there's like little babies in there. Like, yeah, it's bad. I probably would have. And he piles and I, the family all into one photo. He like dragged yes. all of them, got them all propped yes. up, set them up. And I would have probably thought about. It. I was like, should I post this? I'm gonna get some heat. Screw it. I'm gonna post it. <laughs> but I, I am only the voice for Zach Owen. I'm not the voice for all of Idaho sportsmen. And it, it's just like a public official. A lot of people don't know our governor hunts. He's an avid hunter. Yeah. There's never been a picture of him with any of his kills. There's a reason. You know, there's a reason he didn't post those pictures himself on social media. Right. And that's why he sent them to, um, you know, he sent them to 100 people. If you send something to 100 people, one of those people is not going to really like you and be your true friend. You know, there's a good chance. Oh, God. It's something bad. Somebody's going to rat you out. Somebody's going to do something. So it wasn't just a couple of buddies. It was a blast. Okay, wow. Well. So what's your yeah, guys' what's your personal beef with this dude? I don't know him from Adam. Oh, I mean, I won't. It's not even it's not even necessary um, to bring it up. I will bring up the fact, and I have, and 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 I don't know why more people aren't talking about this. Um, but um, since he's been commissioner, I think he's drawn three or four specialty tags. So I think he drew a goat, maybe twice, but he drew a, a Rocky Mountain Bighorn. And then two years later, when he was eligible this year, he drew a California bighorn in Idaho. Huh. As well as, I think, three other commissioners drew sheep tags this year out of the 10 commissioners. Huh. Um, so that, I don't know how uh, statistically it's possible. Um, and it just, it, it, I think it's something that needs to be looked into. I mean, uh, it is what it is. He's not, he's no longer a commissioner. Um, he got his sheep tags, I guess. So good for him. But that, that was a, a super questionable thing, um, that I thought would be talked about a lot more and wasn't, I don't know if, if a lot of people didn't know or what, but yeah, it's it just, there's just certain things that uh, you would, I would, thought, I would thought get got, would get brought up a little bit more. Um, but he's already in some hot water, so <laughs> he's got enough on his plate right now. Yeah. Well, and Idaho is, um, you know, 
with the Wolves and then the Elk Tags selling completely out two years in a row, I'm wondering what the deal with that is as well as far as sustainability. Um, I think it's great yeah. that, that they're selling all their tags, but um, I don't know. I mean, will they add more tags because they've sold out two years in a row just to get more money? I know, pro- yeah. Probably. Yeah, you, you hope not. Um, our, our, we definitely haven't come back enough that wolf hunting, you know, has been allowed to, to, to justify letting a non-res buy two tags. I mean, that doesn't. Yeah, you hate it, you it, hate me. I do it every year. Yeah, it, it it blows my mind how that's real. I mean, even you, as somebody who loves it, because I would too if I was a non-res. It's got to blow your mind that you're able to do this. Like, I'm hunting two elk in Idaho for less than what I would buy a Montana elk tag for. <laughs> exactly. And it's not like we have that many elk. For exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's a, it's, I would say, you know, I would be okay with not being able to buy a second tag. Like this year, I, I didn't buy a second elk tag. I bought a second deer tag as a resident, you know, and I still have to pay full non-res price. Yeah. But I would be totally okay if they said, okay, nobody can buy, non-res or resident can't buy a second tag. I would be like, fine by me. Same here. I, and I agree. I would. Um, because, you know, I can go to other states, bottom line. And yep. then I might even be forced to hunt my own state for once, you know. But I get it. And we'll see how that evolves. But uh, I think most sportsmen are on the same page. Like, we're all going to do what's best for the for the elk at the end of the day if you're a true yeah. sportsman like that's really yeah. what all you care about and yeah uh, i would pay i'd pay more for my tag uh, uh you know as even a resident i still like, want idaho fishing game to ask for donations for helicopter fuel so they can go and just you know keep the numbers tightened up on the wolves just well just the problem tight- is is they they don't do that um, that's the, that's the federal government. That's the U that's USDA wildlife services. Let's give them money. Uh, I, I mean, know that's more, if I don't have a, a helicopter, but I think that's one of the only ways to kind of at least keep the numbers, you know, from not blowing. Oh, for sure. But for sure. Hunters are going to put their dollars to stuff they believe in. And, and they're the biggest advocates for, for wildlife, even though, yeah, we kill them, but we eat them and they taste delicious and we want more of them to thrive. Yep. And, and keep wild places and wild spaces available for your son and my son. And so, yep. yeah. Same thing with, yeah, it's just same, same thing with public lands. I mean, up where I'm living is there's a big controversy because there's a lot of stuff getting shut down. Daily, um, right? Daily. I'm, I'm talking huge, huge, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of acres access is getting cut off too. Yeah, and then and, I uh, saw something in Boise, Boise's newspaper, like some some those those Wilkes brothers just threw up a gate. We're like, yeah, we own this, yeah. and you. Couple. I know you want to get to your public, but uh, this road goes through our property, and uh, we're shutting it down because we're the Wilkes brothers, and we have oil. Yeah, we which, have oil. <laughs> yeah and I have I have mixed feelings because yeah, there there should be no possible way they can shut it down uh you know public lands is shut down access to it um you know I, i'm also i'm also for you know private property and and your own rights with it and the government not being involved um but it can't it can't affect public land and and, and things like that um you can't 
yeah, I don't like the fact that you're able to shut down access into public because some of it's private. Yeah, and it's I mean, there's some good organizations out there that are working to try to, you know, keep that open and whatnot, but um when it comes to ranch elk hunting, you guide on a ranch. You yep. you live on a ranch. Can you talk to and I'm going back to social media like so I get back from my elk hunts and I get on the socials and I see and I'm name dropping because I don't again I'm at the point where I don't care what people think like I saw that Joe Rogan got another giant bull in California. He got a yeah. giant bull in Utah and I love Joe Rogan and what he's done for hunting, period. I've Joe Rogan's a guy I'd love to hang out with, but we're just in two different worlds when it comes to oh, yeah. resources. My buddy Cameron Haynes, and I do mean buddy because like he is like he is a good buddy of mine. Like he's a good dude. Like he's one of the hardest working guys. I love I look up to his work ethic, but he used to he wrote a book called Backcountry Bow Hunting, but Homeboy never hunted the backcountry this year for elk. He killed three giants and I watched one of the videos and it was epic. I brought it up on a different podcast. Like he makes this like the dude can shoot, the dude's a killer. Uh, no credit taken away, but his resources, um, he's hunting amazing places that aren't relatable. And he's never really been probably that relatable to some people because there ain't nobody out there who's going to run a marathon a day, lift weights, shoot their bow, and work a normal nine to five. They're just not on his level. So when it comes to elk hunting, it's not a big surprise that he's hunting places that most people can't relate to just because he's just on another level. So you know, I see that um, some sick of guys hunted that Utah ranch. I just see it. I mean, I can keep going down the list, but a lot of the big, it seems like on the Instagram, it's like if you have a big name, you need to link up with another big name and then go hunt a private ranch that none of us can really relate to. When am I going to see somebody really badass go to just like public land over the counter and make it happen? I feel like that to me is like really rewarding, challenging, the most rewarding, challenging way to do it. And no matter where you hunt, elk don't want to die. But what's your take on branch bulls versus public land bulls and, and kind of the difference in pressure and, and kind of what I was yeah. talking about with the Instagram stuff and the bigger names doing that stuff? Yeah, so I, it, I, you know, I'm in a weird position. I guide on private land, but I've only hunted public for elk ever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like – I didn't even, I don't have permission. I can't personally hunt this ranch. Um, I don't think even if he allowed me to, I would. Um, I, these elk on my ranch in particular are the weirdest elk I've ever hunted in my whole life. Some of the hardest elk I've ever hunted in my whole life. Really? It's, I, I can't even explain why. Um, but they don't come to calls at all. They actually run the other way. It's the, I don't know why, but you can pattern them really good. So you can, you know, you cut them off and stuff. That's kind of how you hunt them. Got it. Well, the reality of that still is nobody's bumping their patterns. You know, it's just me. So no question. I, if I was hunting this with my bow, I would have shot, you know, 340 bull this year. No question in my mind. No question in my mind. I had a few on the ranch and, uh, some of my bow hunters missed shots on them and uh it just you know as somebody who knows how to kill an elk i just i have no question i would have killed one that big um but again my big i don't want my biggest bull to have an asterisk on it and uh it's just it's it's one of those weird things because i 
like I, I'm okay with people hunting it. Like my clients, it's like, they're all from Florida or Ohio. Like that's how you're going to elk hunt. It's going to be really hard. It would, it really doesn't even make sense to say, I'm going to go out there by myself when you have no knowledge of elk, you know? And then it, all of a sudden it takes you eight years to kill one. And you could have done that with one check. Yeah. So this with a guy this, and learned how to do it. This asterisk that you speak of, are you, do you put an asterisk next to Rogan's California bull? That's three seventy. Well, see, I am, people get mad. I put an asterisk next to, uh, a rifle kill, um, <laughs> as a bow hunter. <laughs> yes. We're going to piss everybody <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. People know my opinion on it. Um, I, I still, still believe a spike elk with a bow and I don't care what anybody says this is my opinion. A spike elk with a bow is more impressive than a 300 inch bow with a rifle. That's in my opinion, that's the truth. Gotcha. Um, just cause I've done both and I know the difference in bow hunting and rifle hunting. Um, so the, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, private, you know, guide asterisk every, every, you know, every little thing. And, and, but the thing is, is there's nothing wrong with it, but to, in my opinion, like, I don't, you know, I don't get impressed when I see, yeah, that bull, that, that Rogan shot, like, I don't even see it. As soon as you see how big of a bull it is, all you say is, Oh, sweet ranch bull. Do other guys you know, see that or do they a like a lot, a lot. And, and, but I'm not doing it from like, a hate like oh what like i just don't okay that, yeah that, that's fine you shot it that's cool but I, my main thing all i want especially like the big hunting celebrities is just be transparent i honestly don't think it would change anything they'd probably get more respect from the dudes that are actually legit if they just were 100 percent with it shot this bull on this ranch guided hunt if if but the fact that they're not willing to to let people know that and it's not like they're saying that it's not but by in fact not saying that it is you're lying to people because there's going to be people that don't question it that's true that's true you know you're not taking a picture with your guide people aren't going to be like and there's nothing that's the thing there's nothing wrong with it just be honest about it i see i see your angle that's cool yeah you know i think I would love for to like take somebody like Joe Rogan Me and, too. and put the cameras down and mm-hmm. all that stuff. We don't I don't need any recognition, but let's just dude come, bring your stuff. We're gonna backpack in and I'm sure he's done these kind of hunts, but let's do one for elk. Let's get you a two hundred and sixty inch six point in this over the counter general unit and it's yeah. gonna take you ten days, not ten hours, and it you're going to think the world pack the whole out on your own. You know, you're cutting it up on your own. You're packing it out on your own, and you're going to experience like a whole nother level of reward. And uh, and then yep. maybe, and then if you do take videos and stuff, show people just how hard you worked for this 260 bull, who's a four year old on public land. You know, and yeah. he's he's an old bull because he's made it four years compared to you know. I do think a four-year-old bull on public land is probably like a six, seven-year-old on private or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I don't care either way. But um, 
and then same with Cameron. Like, you know, I, I feel bad mentioning his name just because I don't want him to think I'm ever hating on him because I'm like his biggest fan. Like I, I just, I have so much respect for hard workers, people that hustle. That's my love language. And he's a hustler. He is, yeah. he doesn't have an agent. He doesn't have a meet, like he does everything himself. So he's all his whole personal brand is all self-made. Now he probably lives on his phone 24/7 to keep up with everything. But oh, that, yeah. that's the sacrifice that he's made to have the success that he does and Yeah, and see I don't have a like I, I, he's got me blocked. <laughs> and the reality of it is is I don't have an issue with any of it. Like I don't I think his worth work ethic is incredible. I can't run hundred miles in the mountains. I probably to be honest, even if I trained, I don't think I ever could. My body's not made for that. Um that's just you know, me being hundred percent honest. The uh yeah, the dude's a freak. Work ethic, it's awesome. And the only thing I is just the thing that's always bugged me is just not being transparent about your hunting. So definitely, that's what gets me. That's what gets me for every, every, everything. It is like to me, I'm so much different than most people. Like every time, it, it almost sucks. But I'm like at the point where anytime I see an animal, is like I want to know the full story on it now. Yeah. Like not just like oh congrats. I'm like well, t- well, well, where did you get like? And I'm not saying every hunt has to be the hardest hunt in the world, but you know, did you? Was it by yourself? You know, or did, did your buddy take you into his best spot or did the guy take you in or did you pay 30 grand for that elk? Like it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a shitty spot to, to be, it, it, but, and that's kind of where, where it's at right now. <laughs> like, well, I see. What and it saying. shouldn't be like that. Cause I don't have an issue with any of it. I don't have an issue. If you want to shoot a 300 inch whitetail in a, in a, you know, 300 acre high fence, that's fine. Just be honest. I feel like that's a fair request. But on the other end of the spectrum, it's probably more the audience listens to this podcast and is like, I really wanted to make a movement and I don't know if I have a big enough influence, but I'm trying to just lead up this cause of be proud of what you shot, post it no matter for what, sure. tell for the sure. story and showcase how you worked for that prize all the delayed gratification that went into that because man that is something to be so proud of when you literally you know you shoot your bow when you don't want to and you scout on your computer and you hike and you put boots on the ground and and you fail and you fail and you fail because bow hunting is a world of failure and then you have that awesome success yep and then if you hesitate because you don't want to share it because because of what you think other people's opinion might be is just I got to help people get over that and celebrate the public land over the counter guy who only has a few days off a year or is a weekend warrior and they're just barely paying their mortgage and getting groceries on the table dude like it probably was a sacrifice just to get that tag and that time away you know dude and that's 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 how that's me that's exactly me I've, I've always had a job where I've had limited time for the most part, uh, you know, weekend warrior in it, you know, I, I'll, nobody will ever accuse me of being a trophy hunter. Um, cause I just don't have the time, you know, I, I, I just don't. So I'm going to just take every opportunity I get and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm 28 years old. Like I got a lot 
a ton of hunting to do in my life to worry about the size of anything. Yeah. I want to shoot big. Yeah. I want to shoot mature, but right now I'm like, I'm legit using the meat. I mean, we I, There's no way I could afford to buy all the meat that I get from the animals I hunt. No way. You know? So, you know, it's not like I make a killing where I get to hunt a bunch of other States every year. I wish. And I, uh, I hoped I get to a spot eventually where I can, but I got limited time, you know, so I'm going to take, and I'm, 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 I'm hunting public land, but 99.9% of the time, it's my own spots that I found, you know, and that's just, I'm going to shoot that little raggy. Cause that's the, that's what I got. And I'm just, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to post anything. I, I think it's, it's like a shame what social media has done as far as, people being like i didn't want to post it because it was a forky i'm like who cares shouldn't have shot it then you don't have to put a narrative or justification you can just be like here it is and yeah I'm shot s- this so stoked i worked yep. so hard for this and i just want people to know it's cool to hunt public land it's cool to buy your tag at walmart and it's yeah. so cool to get whatever you get and be pumped and cut it up put it in the freezer and have some pride when you see it on the grill your wife's cooking it and you're like damn i had to pack that x amount of miles out broke me off yeah i'm really proud of that meat and my kids are eating it and they don't even know half the you know sacrifices i had to make to do that but they will someday and uh, to me that's really rewarding and that's been super easy for me to like keep going with elk shape even though it's just a side hustle i'm just like man i need to really make this awareness of my personal brand and it's it kind of evolved zach i like started out as well i know so much about fitness i'm gonna get people i don't even talk about fitness on this podcast hardly at all i mean it's just it's just a thing that you do i talk about you know champion blue collar people because i feel like they need a voice and that's kind of what i've found that's going to work for us is just getting people rallied about uh, around the kind of hunting that i that i do which is uh, it's just what I can afford in my situation, man. Yep. And, uh, you know, it is pretty damn rewarding. And if you looked at, I think I've killed a lot of elk for how long I've elk hunted. And there's only a handful of bulls that are over 300, you know. I don't know how many, but I'd say half. And the other half are rag bulls that I just love. I love to death, and I'm proud of them. And they don't sit in a shop. They're in my cabin. And I look at them and I'm proud. And I can tell you yep. the story on each one of them. And then each one of them has a story of all the work put into it year round to get there. And all the failures and that one little success. It's That's why I love elk hunting. That's the same. I mean, that bull I shot this year with my recurve, no bull I kill will probably ever mean to as much to me as that bull. You know, it's just a little raggy five. And it will be like that bull will mean more to me than any other bull I ever kill. Cause I know what it took to kill a, an elk. My first elk with a recurve. Mm-hmm. That's so incredible. it's always just, it's just going to mean more to me. And, and guess what? I picked a random spot on a map. It was an hour and 15 minutes exactly from my house is all I had to drive. I walked up on this mountain. I found, I picked a spot on the mountain the night before me and my father-in-law and we called in three bulls that morning and I ended up killing that one. And it was three quarters of a mile straight down to the truck, to the road to get it out. 
wasn't some 10 mile back in, but it was on public land in a spot. I'd never been. I just picked it on on X the night before and went in, killed an elk with my recurve. And that, that bull will mean more to me probably than any other elk I've ever killed. Did you get to see that bull go down after the shot or did you walk up on it, like trailing it? Uh, yeah, it made it 200 yards and I, I, I smoked it too. I had a little opening to shoot through, through the brush at 25 and, uh, he ran my pink, my fletchings are pink. They're super bright. So I can see. And when he ran around, I could see quartered away. Like my arrow was just hanging out like perfect. And the, I mean, the problem was I was enjoying my own work instead of being in full on kill mode. Cause I should have put another arrow in. Cause my father-in-law Cal called a couple times and he came into 15, he ran back into 15 yards and stopped. So I would have been able to get another arrow in him and probably watched him die. But instead I'm sitting there with my thumb up my butt, just watching, you know, <laughs> admiring my own work. And, uh, so he made it, he made it 200 yards. So when you walked up to him, you just were just overwhelmed with, I mean, that feeling. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Recurve hunting is so, the more I do it, the more I'm like, the people that do this and do this successfully are, I have so much respect for them. It's crazy. It's so hard. It is so hard. As somebody who's done it now, and, and, and you know, you know, it's so hard to kill an animal with a compound. I mean, let's be real. Look at success rates. It is not easy to kill an animal with a compound bow. It's just not. And when you make it what I what I think is twice as hard, then it's just like it it it, it makes me want to do it a bunch more. But it it also <laughs> makes me like appreciate hunting with a compound. That's awesome, dude. I mean. God, don't we can't talk about this because I, I do hunt an area where I could totally get away with the recurve. Thought thought about it, but you gotta try it, dude. I I'm telling you, it is like even just once you start shooting it. For me personally, at least, like once when you started, like it took me like a year of solid shooting it before I was like, I'll, I'll if I get an opportunity, I'll kill an animal. Dude, that's freaking cool. Which, I mean, you could bring, buy a brand new compound, get it set up, and you could be like, you know, in three days, you can be like, oh, I'll smoke an animal at 60. You know what I mean? If you shoot enough, like, the, the, the confidence level is like, it's crazy. I, 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 I know for a fact it makes, it's just going to make me a more effective hunter with a compound. Can't if argue you can that. The mindset. If you can have that mindset, it's just like the guys that I know that rifle hunt with a bow hunter's mentality kill the biggest animals every year. 100%. The biggest animals. Yep. Every single year, and that's why if I can go into my compound hunts with a with a recurve mentality, I feel like I I could my my success rate is going to double. You have an MMA background. You're a tall drink of water. I would try to double leg you. Uh, what do you do for f- for fitness? Living at on a ranch, obviously you hump the hills, but I've I've seen some of your posts. You get after in the weight room and all that kind of stuff. Like, what's your um, fitness philosophy um, as it pertains to being in shape year round for elk hunting? Yeah, I mean to be one hundred percent transparent, since September. 
first, I have touched weights twice. Um, so it's almost been two months of me and I've touched, touched weights twice. Um, that, that's just going, 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 you know, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. The fact that my job is every single day, all I'm doing is hiking mountains. Yeah. You know, I'm in good shape as far as like hiking mountains goes. Um, you know, not very, probably not very strong right now. Um, you know, and it's just a different type of strength and I like having both, but you know, I, I got, I just got hooked up with like a ton of weight equipment in my shop. So I had a, I had a gym membership up here, but I almost just had, you know, how small the gym is in this little town I live in. I almost just got as much equipment in my own garage now. So I got at home gym, which is awesome. Cause I'm not somebody that needs, you know, some people don't do good at home cause they can't like self-motivate. But as far as working out goes, since I've always done it since I was, you know, 15, the self-motivation for me has always been there. Um, so I'm going to be starting that up again, probably today, honestly. So I just had my final elk clients leave, but yeah, I mean the gym in one way or another, no matter what I was training for or something has always been a part of my life. Always will. You know, I like the way I, when I work out, I like the way I feel, I like the way I look, you know, it just, I look forward to working out. My, my wife has never, my, my wife isn't somebody who, who works out. She goes in little kicks sometimes, but she's just not somebody that's like into it. And she, you know, she dreads it. And we always talk about that. Like I look forward to it all day. Yeah. And yep. uh, she, she, but, but it's been, and I think that's just part of me doing it for, you know, so long, but she, she, uh, you know, she's dreading her workout and I'm thinking about it in the morning when I wake up, like, Oh, what am I doing tonight? You know, for my workout. So yeah, I mean, the reality of it is I know giant fat people who kill elk and who hump the hills pretty dang good. Um, so I don't think it's necessary, <laughs> but it's going to make your life a lot easier and it's going to make you, you know, I know for a fact you're, you'll, you'll be the guy who says, you know, when you hear that bugle at the bottom of the canyon, instead of sitting there thinking about it or being like, eh, nah, you know, you're, you're just, you're going to dump in and go after it. Yeah. You'll have the confidence. So today, when you, when you start back up, give some listeners like a snapshot of like what you're, what are you thinking for a good workout today? Start, you're starting over. You no matter what you do today, you're gonna be so sore. Um, oh, dude, brutal! Because I'm gonna do a yeah. I'll probably do a ton of pull-ups. Um, I've been on a pull-up kick for like the last year and a half. I think it's like the greatest exercise of all time, just in the fact that it's also the most humbling exercise. Like I always tell everybody, if you think you're strong, if you think you're in shape, do pull-ups. Like you're gonna get humbled. You know, no matter what, even if you can do a lot of pull-ups, it's not a lot. Like if you can do 30 strict pull-ups, I mean, you're still only doing 30 of something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I think it, it just, it upper body, you're hitting everything. So I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll probably do like sets of five till like, I can't even lift my body off the ground. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and then like, right. I probably won't touch my legs right now. Um, until like winter, winter, I'll, I'll let them, 
you know, and that, that's, that's always my kicker for me is like, you get, I get my legs in like mountain shape and, and then they can't lift any weight weight wise for me personally. And then, and then I start getting back into it, doing a bunch of deads, a bunch of squats. And then my legs feel heavier when I'm going up the mountain. Oh yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's one of those like catch 22s kind of, you know, yeah, my legs are always heavy, Zach. Like, all I do is legs, it seems like. And my legs are so little compared to I have. I am the guy who has looks like he's never squatted in his life. Um, but I do. I squat two or three times a week. And, um, yeah. I, oh, I got, I got the same leg genetics as you. Great. Well, so when I, my first week back after hunting season, I, I squatted. And I, I did, like, maybe three or four sets, like actual working sets. And I was like, yeah, that's good. And, of course, I was sore for a full week, miserable. And now it's getting better. And by the time, you know, in a couple more weeks, I'll be, I'll be, my numbers will get back up. But the squatting for me is everything. Like I have to squat because that's the one thing. If I don't squat, it goes away so fast. Yeah. I can keep pull up strength and like gymnastic strength has always been a thing for me, just the way I'm built. But yeah, uh, it sounds like, you know, a good idea is to kind of gravitate towards things that, aren't going your way in life. And it, there's no different in the weight room. Like you probably should gravitate towards the things that are the most difficult, you know, for sure. The low hanging fruit is seductive, but at the end of the day, yeah, curls, curls are seductive. Stand there and do curls is, uh, <laughs> have a big bicep is, is looks, you know, it, it's, you think about it, you're like, Oh, I can do some biceps today. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, nobody wants to do deadlifts. No, the dead- <laughs> but, but it makes more sense as far as just all around fitness. And my time is so limited nowadays just with kids. Kids is just, you know, it just changes everything in your life. And I'm not competing at CrossFit anymore. So it's like, how can I get the most bang for my buck in the next 20 minutes? And because I got other stuff yep. to do and yep. I don't want to take time away from my kids, you know, too much. But working out is one thing that I will be selfish with, and and I'll just be a better version of myself. Supplements wise, you're you taking Warrior Fuel supplements or Warrior? Yeah, I've t- yeah, Warrior Fuel. I've taken them for uh, been, I think two years now. Definitely. And so. what's your? Um, so I take F and X. That's a different brand, but I have my certain supplements, which don't really doesn't matter what you're taking if you're eating like dog shit. What yeah. what does your nutrition look like, and then what lines of warrior dog shit? <laughs> what what are you going to start eating like now that your season's winded down and you kind of got to, you know, you're just a motivated guy. What are you going to do? Yeah, I'll I'll change it up huge. That's just kind of yeah. It, it, you know, I I I do I do. I'm not one of those guys who's like even when I'm busy, I can be super strict with my diet. Um, that's just, that's just not who I am. I'll do it. I'll eat a carton of ice cream. Like, um, and I, I, I got bad eating habits from fighting because my, my workouts were so intense, so long. Um, and yeah, that was almost, that was like nine years of doing it that I could eat anything. Yep. The only time I had to watch, watch what I ate was for like the three weeks prior to my fight when I was cutting weight. But I could eat anything and not gain an ounce, 
now my not so much because I don't work out like that anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, I just as some as a dad, I never want to have a dad bod. You know, I've always told myself I'll never like I never want to be out of shape. I just think it's an excuse. I mean, you can just like you said, if you got twenty minutes, you can you can go balls to the wall for twenty minutes and get a good workout in. Oh, you yeah. don't need two hours. That you do not. That's just the reality of it. So when when it comes to like for your schedule, what is the most challenging part of the day for you to like eat clean or make? When are you most tempted to make a poor choice? Oh, at night. Uh, I, I'm just like I, I. I think it's just more out of a boredom. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll just, dude. I'll just keep getting up and eating and eating and eating, and I can. I can put food away. I, I'm still lucky to be blessed with, with a fast metabolism uh, because I eat like I should. I, I mean, I should be obese. <laughs> yeah. I think evenings, everybody's like kryptonite, really, because they're, you know, I'm eating for boredom and, you know, throw the Netflix on, chill. Yep. Watch TV with your wife. and, 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 and Yeah, and, and see, that's the hardest thing to, to work out because that's usually the time I work out it's in the evenings. And then you got you to gotta factor in like all right, you've been working or you've been gone all day. This is your time to spend with your family, but you also want to work out. Definitely so challenging that. Yeah, it's the same thing just with hunting. You know, I, I can't – I have left the mountain before because – in the middle of the night, packed up all my gear and hiked my, a few miles out and left just because I was like, dude, what am I doing up here? I'm missing time with my wife. I'm missing time with my kid. Like you only get, you know, the, the saying you only get so many Septembers, you, you only get so many days with your son or your daughter or your wife. Yeah. So and that, it's a really hard balance. How are you balancing it, man? We talk about that all the time on this podcast, like, you know, especially with young families and stuff, like how do you balance that passion and you, you have to be selfish to go hunting no matter what you yep. do. It's well, going to be. I, yeah. I, I think the main thing for me too, is not being, not being that picky with, with animals that I'm shooting is, is huge. So I'm able to, you know, and, and every year I think I'm getting better and better at, at, at capitalizing you know, cause you know, especially public land, you might only get one opportunity. So you, you gotta be able to capitalize. Um, so I think efficiency in, in capitalizing opportunities and, and not holding out, you know, um, at this part of my life, I just, I want to be, I, I always say the best way to get good at killing shit is killing shit. So, you know, if I can get good at, and effective at, at you know, at, at killing, anything basically than then in a couple of years when I don't necessarily, you know, want to shoot another raggy bull, I can, I can hold out. And when I get the opportunity on a big one, I've, I've been there a million times already. Definitely. Oh, that's it's, and it's not getting any easier the older they get. I mean, yes, yeah, probably tougher the older they get then they got sports and, Exactly. That's kind of what I was had. It was like just they they get busier, and I mean you're gonna have to decide: are you going to the football game or are you going hunting? Yeah. I mean I haven't had to make that decision yet. I really don't want my son to play football. I want him to be <laughs> an elk hunter, but obviously as a parent, I lost a lot in high school. I lost a lot of Septembers to yeah, the football. Same here, and I don't want that for my son. But you know, you as a parent, you want them to do what they want to do. Uh, what they want. Yep. But. 
yeah, hopefully we can get get him deterred from, you know. Playing. I want mine to play sports, dude. I'll I'll miss I'll miss hunting to go watch. Yes, like except for football. You know, either way. <laughs> no, I, dude, I I will I would skip it to go watch. I'm just like, I don't know. Being for me, dude, being a dad is like the coolest thing. It's a you know, you're going to have to, if you want to hunt, you're going to have to sacrifice a little bit of time. But when it comes down to it, if I got to make the choice, like it's a no brainer, you know? That's cool. Yeah. Well, being a dad is the, is the best thing to happen to both of us. I'm quite certain. Um, I want to thank you for coming on, man. And thank you for just being real and, and, uh, people listen to this. I hope you just know that dude, Zach's the real guy. Like he is who he is and be like Zach, state your opinions <laughs> and, Work hard. Be like, be like me, but be yourself also. <laughs> yeah, you know, just take take his lead on just, you know, be who you are, and don't be apologetic, and hunt your butt off, and be proud of what you kill, and and work hard towards your goals, man. So, where can people follow you and your journey, man? Uh, yeah, really, I only use Instagram it's at Beyond the Backcountry. Um, that's pretty much the only i mean i have facebook but i don't use it and i don't really use anything else that's that's pretty much all i use cool man well wh- what are we, what can we potentially see in you this winter doing you said hunting with sterling yeah i'll be i'll be wolf hunting and you know i've hound so i'll be lion hunting a bunch but i still have an archery uh mule deer tag so i'm really looking forward to that this is my favorite hunt of the year november so yeah buddy well good luck on all that and i'll stay in touch with you I got to figure out a way to come cat hunting with you, even if I'm just carrying a backpack. I, I want to see that happen one of these days. So I Full might critter. off the buggy about that. I just want to be a part of that. But uh, yeah, man, thanks for coming on. I know you're busy and thanks for your time and have a good workout tonight. I hope you're sore as heck the rest <laughs> I'm of the gonna week. Be. <laughs> All right, man. Well, take care and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on. My pleasure.